1: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 152 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is very, light, very late into the night, I should say, on this Thursday, Valentine's Day. In fact, when we get done recording, it will almost certainly be Friday morning, at least on the East Coast. But the only person that I can think of in the world that, w- that would uh, agree to, to record with me this late is Scott Coleman. And uh, hello, Scott.
2: The perks of living on the West Coast, it's 9.30 out here uh, pretty soon. It gets to be another hour back because Arizona's weird. So the night and is two and three.
1: I always I always forget when I'm like texting you uh, and to set up times. Uh, this time I actually remember that it was two hours. But in the past, I've, I've always thought that it's the wrong. It's either two or three depending on the time of year. And I always forget which one it is. Yeah,
2: but all good. We got pitchers and catchers showing up today or tomorrow, however you want to look at it, showing up on Friday and, and should be fun.
1: Yeah, so that's the backdrop of this podcast. The major thing that we want to hit on is the uh the interview to end all interviews that um the athletic did with the Braves Front Office. We'll get there in a moment, I promise you. But one quick thing that's like sort of a housekeeping item before we get started on a Braves Talk is that the podcast has changed hosting platforms. If you were listening to the show on SoundCloud, if you're used to that, we've, we've been there since, since we actually started the podcast. We've now moved over to Panoply. Um, n- not a huge change for anybody except for if you're listening on SoundCloud, you have to change that. Um, and we'll be posting links. The, the link that goes into the podcast post on TalkingChop.com, you'll be able to just click on it and li- listen in the same way that you normally would. If you are subscribed to the podcast via Apple Podcasts or wherever else that you like to listen to podcasts, nothing should change for you. If it, if it did change, let me know that and we'll figure it out and we'll fix it. But for the most part, nothing's going to change. But we have changed platforms. So if you see something weird or if it sounds different or if there's um, ads, by the way, um, along the way. You will not be surprised by that now that you've listened to me talk about it for a second. So along the way now, probably once per show, we'll, we'll sort of drop out for an ad for 30 seconds or so. So don't be alarmed by that. We're uh, trying to be a more modern podcast, and that sets that up and sort of a, 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 I guess, network-wide effort. So just to set the stage a little bit there, it'll be the last time I talk about this. But if something has changed, it's because there is something that actually has changed. If something f- feels weird on your end, it's because something's different, and we'll uh, hopefully get through this together. So, all right, Scott. And I hope hopefully, hopefully that's pretty clear to everybody yeah. (laughs) let's uh let's talk about baseball uh one thing before we get to the interview that that Jeff Schultz and Dave O'Brien did um Real Muto is now off the market and we haven't talked in about nine ten days now and that happened while we were gone so um I guess it's not really news anymore but he's now a member of the Phillies and I guess the dream is finally dead
2: it's uh RIP to JT Real Muto coming to Atlanta it's a shame
1: that's one way to put it. I mean, I think it's uh, you know not a huge surprise. I don't think. I think the whole time the Braves were one of the front, one of the front runners in our minds, and I think for me at least, I never felt like it was more likely than not. I thought it was a pretty good chance the Braves would make it, would make it happen. And uh, we talk about sort of the specifics here. The Phillies did pay a pretty decent price. You know, Jorge Alfaro is a pretty decent prospect slash guy who's guy who's already in the majors. Sixto Sanchez was sort of the big pitching name along the way there. They paid a decent price. Um, Philly reportedly wanted Austin... Sorry, not Philly. Miami pro- reportedly wanted Austin Riley as a centerpiece. And uh, Mark Bowman reported, actually, that the Braves made any prospect available in the deal. Like, no one was untouchable. Uh, that's a prospect, obviously. That does, that does not include Ronald Acuna or <laughs> Ozzy Albies. But of the prospect guys, everybody was available. They just didn't want to give up the, the volume that Miami ended up wanting. So, any surprises to you on, like, what's been reported and like kind of where the Braves might have stopped short of including all the guys that, that they probably had to include to get it done.
2: Um, a little bit surprised as, as we heard more and more and as we, as uh, it became more and more obvious that, that Real Muta was going to get traded and, and there was never a, a hard deadline, but everyone knew the Marlins weren't going to go into their fan fest with, with JT still around. Um, it really sounds like the Braves just never offered that that uber prospect, and um, you know credit to the Marlins. I think they get a pretty decent return. Sixto Sanchez, while he has a little bit of uh, of health concerns, he's as good of a right-handed pitching prospect as there is uh, in the minors. Um, Alfaro, as you said, is is a decent young catcher, and I think what it came down to ultimately was was two things. And I talked to a couple of people around. Uh, both Miami and and Atlanta on this, and I think the main thing was the Braves didn't necessarily have a young catcher that they were willing to part with. That was something that the Marlins really wanted. Uh, The Braves were not going to include William Contreras in this deal. I think that speaks to how highly the Braves think of Contreras. Um, And and secondly, you you talked about uh, the reports of of Austin Riley being on the table. I think the Braves were comfortable going with Riley, but ultimately they weren't going to give up Riley plus one of the uh, top four, if you will, top four pitching prospects. I was told uh, there were some some of the second tier pitchers who were of interest to Miami, uh, but obviously ultimately they, they weren't able to to come to an agreement. So uh, good for the Phillies; they get a, a fantastic talent. You talk about JT going from uh, a huge pitcher's park in Miami to to a hitter's paradise in Philadelphia makes them a, a significantly better team the next two years. Um, and again, it's it it it's just kind of it was a little bit of a, a little extra shot in the ribs that the Braves were supposedly in on Real Muto all winter and to have him go to a division rival instead of like the Dodgers or the Reds uh, just made it sting a little bit more. So not ideal. And uh, I, I do wish the Braves would have ponied up and, and met the, met the asking price, but ultimately they decided not to.
1: Yeah, that's probably encapsulates what I think as well. I, there was a little bit more of a sting that he's in Philly and I was on record as, as saying that I, I didn't want to pay full market value for a catcher because, you know, catchers are volatile and he's not signing him forever and all that fun stuff. But at the end of the day, the, the price that Philly paid was a fair one, but not one that the Braves couldn't have pretty easily matched. So, I, you know, as someone who wasn't super high on Real Muto, I still acknowledge that I think he's the best catcher in the league. So if the Braves had a realistic chance to get that guy, it hurts. And I think we even said this on the podcast at the time, but when they signed Markekis, you know, it's not not really his fault, but it's one of those things where it felt like they had to do something else in in conjunction with that to improve the lineup. Because if you look at the lineup now, it's the same lineup as last year um, with probably worse catching. Um, And, you know, you probably assume that Donaldson is an upgrade on Camargo last year, but Camargo was good last year. I don't think that's necessarily who he is. But, I mean, we assume Donaldson is going to be better than that, but maybe not by a ton, like as a median baseline level. So this lineup is not going to be terribly impressive, um, at least on paper right now. At least, you know, maybe they, maybe they could do something else. The door's not shut. We're still, as you mentioned before, the pitchers and catchers report on Friday. But this was sort of the very obvious domino that could fall to make everything else look better in the offseason because if you suddenly have the best catcher in the league, it's easier, to just, it's easier to sort of buy on this offense. Now that that guy's not coming, the offense still has bright spots, obviously. You have Ronald Acuna, you have Freddie Freeman, you have the potential of Josh Donaldson being an MVP, MVP caliber player again. That's all fine and good, but you have – catcher is not anything to write home about anymore, to be sure. It might be fine, but you know last year I think you could probably re- – I think, I think it's probably reasonable to say that you have to expect them to be worse at catcher than they were last year. You have Markekis, who I think has to be assumed you know, he'll be worse in terms of a full-season performance between last year and this year, when last year was his best year in five years. You can't assume that's going to repeat itself. Enciarte um, may maybe the same, etc. Et I don't want to go down too far into the rabbit hole here, but the offense, I guess if you squint hard, could be slightly better, but slightly better isn't probably going to be good enough.
2: No, you're right. And I think barring someone like Dansby Swanson, uh, Ender, one of the catchers just coming coming out of nowhere – and hit really taking that next step. And I'm just not sure anyone other than Dan's be in that conversation are really capable of doing that just because of how long they've been around. Uh, there is, there's some limited upside, especially you, you look at the order regardless of, of how they end up constructing it. I think you have a very limited upside with your, your five through eight, nine hitters, however you want to look at it. Um, again, not saying this lineup is going to be terrible. The one last year was, I think middle of the road, maybe a little yeah. bit better than, than that and, and you can certainly win with that as we all saw last year but when you look back on three months ago and you add Donaldson and you add McCann so early you, you start to think well they can add another piece or two and this lineup could be uh maybe the National League's best and, and here we are uh as pitchers and catchers are set to show up and again the lineup isn't bad but not not a ton to write home about
1: yeah so that's probably a good place to leave it I mean I don't want to focus too much on that. I know probably a lot of Braves fans got really excited at the possibility of Real Muto, and with good reason. He's very good at baseball, and now you have to kind of hope that he's not, that he's not as good if you're a Braves fan, because he's going to be playing for the Phillies, and we'll see how that goes in the near future. So, um, I guess before we get on, get on to the interview, I do want to say that, you know, <laughs> you probably can't close the door on anything, but there is no longer the obvious upgrade that's just sitting out there. I think at least offensively. Um I, I think guys like Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrel are out there that are, I guess, reasonable targets that could conceivably come to Atlanta. But unless you talk yourself into Bryce Harper or Manny Machado being out there on the uh on the on the offensive side, is there anything else that the Braves could do? We'll say realistically, because I don't think that Harper or Machado is realistic. I mean, it's not. there's not a yep. 0% chance, but I think it's unrealistic. So is there anything that you see on the landscape that is realistic that the Braves could do before opening day? Obviously, this is not taken into account, and this sort of bridges into the discussion that we're about to have about the interview and all that stuff in the future. But between now and April 1st, we'll say, is there an obvious move somewhere that the Braves could make to improve their offense? I don't really see that move out there.
2: No, I don't think so. The only area where I think they could upgrade is with their fourth outfielder. Um, I, I don't think Bryce or Machado are realistic possibilities. Um, maybe maybe a team like San Diego, which has a, a surplus of outfielders right now, maybe they're open to moving someone like uh, Hunter Renfro. Of course, the Braves already have Adam Duvall on, on their roster. Now, maybe if Duvall just has a, a terrible start to the spring, maybe they realize that they need someone better. Um, but ultimately I think there's a reason that they, they tendered him a contract and are keeping him around and and they probably view, uh, last August and September to be more of an aberration than what he was the first three or four years of his career. Um, but other than that, there's really no one out there unless there's a, just a, a sudden huge shakeup in the landscape or some team suddenly has an injury or two and decides to start selling in March, which almost never happens. Um, I just, I just don't see a whole lot out there.
1: Yep, I agree. So we can uh, let that be our bridge into the big topic of the day, which is not something that I saw coming, honestly. Um, Just for a a little bit of background, I'm sure if you're a Braves fan, you've at least heard of this interview that took place this week. But Jeff Schultz and David O'Brien of The Athletic um, did a good thing and got um, on the record an interview with Alex Anthopoulos and Terry McGurk. Um, An interesting, you know, very interesting, I will say. Um, Sometimes infuriating, sometimes baddening, sometimes curious interview with the front office. This was behind paywall. I have read the entire thing. I think you probably have as well. Um, yeah. But I, I'm not going to read the entire thing because it's behind paywall. So um, if you have a friend that has the athletic, if you want to have the athletic, I would certainly recommend having the athletic because this is not, this is not a sponsored thing, but I think if you are a fan of sports, it's very useful to me. It's not that expensive, but all that, all that to say, um, w- let's just start here. What was your first reaction to reading cool this interview, because most people I found, and I think Craig Calcetarian did a good job of this on NBC Sports today, um, sort of rounding it all up. And we did it. We also had a post that I think Eric wrote, uh, and I think you wrote something as well today about all of it. But what would, what was your, it was it's basically negative was what I'll say. Almost everybody was negative about this. So what was your first reaction? And then how, if at all, has that evolved in the last you know two days since it came up?
2: I, I thought it was a... Uh, one, I think the first thing, first and foremost, I'm pretty surprised that McGurk and Anthopolis agreed to do this interview. I um, <laughs> especially when they knew that it was not going to be a good interview for them. I mean, they're not stupid. They know how the last couple months have go have gone. Uh, if they're not on social media, they have people who work for them who are monitoring social media and can kind of read the pulse of, of the fan base. So I was pretty stunned when I, I first saw it. Um, as far as the the Q and A itself. And I, I don't want to criticize too, too much just for the fact that I understand that these are high paid executives who are very media savvy and they have their lines. I mean, they're, they're basically politicians in the, in the sports world. Um, but I will say that just some of the answers I found were pretty ridiculous. I, I think I legitimately rolled my eyes three or four times (laughs) while reading their answers Um, because frankly, some of the answers were insulting. I mean, you would swear that they were, they were almost talking in a sense where they were acting as if the person reading the interview had never seen the game of baseball before, didn't know the inner workings of baseball, doesn't follow the Braves, doesn't follow free agency. Um, so I was, I was pretty put off by it. I did, as you said, I wrote something about how it just kind of was a twist of the knife in your back a little bit. Um, I think a lot of fans feel betrayed, frankly, from just how poor this offseason has been. And when you have three other teams in the division who have gone out and really made some aggressive, good moves, and then you look at what the Braves done, I, I think it only uh, stokes the fire a little bit more. So I was, I was pretty put off by it. Um, and, and as you said, the door's not closed. They could do something in the 11th hour, but I'm,
1: I'm not exactly holding my breath. Yeah, and that's what the Calcetera thing too. It was basically like I think the, I think the title was like the Braves Think their fans are idiots or something like that, uh, which I think is probably a little bit simpli- simplistic. But I understand your reaction. I mean, I see this a little bit differently. I think I am as close to a media member as you can be without being a full time media member. If that makes sense, I uh, you know I get I get paid to work in the media uh, in different ways. So I think I see some of this stuff through a media lens, whereas. A lot of fans see stuff through a fan lens. Even the people, even even people that write for us are fans, and that's what happens. Um, with that said, there was some stuff that caught my eye as well. You know, the first thing, something that we've acknowledged before, I think, on this podcast is that McGurk. Uh, and by the way, shout to Jeff Schultz who wrote who wrote up the interview. And Schultz is very sarcastic, and I think he definitely sees the game. I know Jeff a little bit personally. He definitely sees all of what's going on. Um, so he he did a nice primer at the beginning before the interview actually started in the actual piece, sort of setting the stage a little bit. And one of the things that he referenced was something that we've referenced before is that McGurk one year ago said, and I quote, there will be very few teams that have as much to spend in the marketplace next winter as the Atlanta Braves, end quote. Um, and when, when you say things like that, it kind of sets the stage. I mean, even if they're not, even if they want to leave themselves wiggle room, and I think McGurk is a master of this. He'll say things that he could try to get out of later. The the Braves knew the intention of what they were saying a year ago. And even earlier this winter, and even you know, during the season, you can say stuff about flexibility all you want to. When you say flexibility, you know full well that fans are going to think that means spending more money. Um, and then they come out come back in this in this interview and basically do leaps and bounds to avoid that particular sentiment. And I understand what Anthopolis is saying. For those of you who haven't read this, Anthopolis repeatedly says and kind of kind of declines to give the number of the payroll for this year, like a projected you know cap of payroll. And he shouldn't give that number. I know I know fans want to know it. I totally understand why he doesn't want to give that number. They they definitely finally, I guess the, for the first time, announced that last year their their budgeted number was 120 million. Which they, which they never will say until after the fact. They went over that to 126 because of the deal that um, netted them Kevin Gosman, and Darren O'Day in the middle of the season. But there's a reason why they don't want to get give that give that number out, and that's because they don't want to give away their, their I guess, their bargaining position. I get all that. But, you know, for instance, McGurk's saying the thing that I said before. Also, he says that the Braves, uh, the, sorry, that he's the control person of the team and that he's never checked with Liberty on any decision, which I can't believe is true. Um, all that fun stuff. Like, there's all kinds of, flexibility spending quotes over the last 12 months they're kind of everywhere revenues through the roof after they got to SunTrust Park and sold a bunch more tickets than they did last year that's not going into payroll um here's one that I wanted to ask you about specifically Anthopolis and I'm, I'm going to quote this here Anthopolis says the following quote we were in the bottom 10 last year by the end of the year our budget number absolutely is trending toward the middle I know we have the ability to do whatever we want to do end quote so the middle of payroll, in terms of the league, was referred to a number of times in this particular interview. The middle would be about 140 to 150 million dollars in payroll, maybe maybe 145 or something like that. Low forty low 140s. They're nowhere near low 140s right now. Now, that's to say that number is by the end of the season. But you don't often see teams taking on 20, 20 million plus in the middle of the season. It's not impossible. But considering that if you made a deal in July, you're only paying a guy's half salary. So yeah. You have to take you have, you have to take, you have to take on forty million or so in the middle of the season to get to get to one forty or so. Now they could spend some of that money beforehand on Keuchel or Kimber or whatever. But if they wanted to the season where they are right now, it's virtually impossible to get to one forty. So with all that said, um, did anything else? Like, did you bump on anything else specifically? Because I know I mean, there's a couple moments where you said that they're kind of insulting you, and I totally agree. Just the way they talk in circles. And make it seem like they want people to just believe everything they say when they've kind of lost the ability to do that. Especially McGurk. I think Anthopoulos is sort of in a weird position because he's are still a relatively new GM, but McGurk is someone who I think Brace fans are just kind of sick sick of at this point. And it, it's a tough role that he's in. I will say that's that's the one that's the one thing that I will concede is that we'll never know the relationship between him and Liberty Media and Liberty is this like conglomerate. That's gonna treat the Braves like they're just a money making entity. But did you like bump on anything else specifically? Because that was my that was my one thing was like if they're gonna try to get to the middle, they got a long way to go to get to the middle. And and that was that and they brought that up on their own. That was not like a thing that that Schultz and 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 O'Brien were like grilling them on until they said it multiple times. And then Schultz is like, okay, what's the middle? (laughs) Because the middle is one forty. You're not anywhere near that.
2: No, I mean they're they're at about a hundred and ten million right now, which is as you said thirty million, even if you added even if you took on $20 million in salary in the middle of the year, you would still not be close enough to it. So you probably um, have
1: to, you probably have to sign Kimbrel or Keichel and then do something else in the middle of the season.
2: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as the interview itself, and I know they, the guys, the athletics said they talked for about an hour and it's pretty in depth. I don't know if there was ever one uh, specific exchange or, uh, whatever it is, because frankly, neither Anthopolis nor McGurk ever said anything of real substance. It was more of the same. You know, I ca- I call them politicians about ten minutes ago, and they really do. I mean, you, you watch a, a politician on on a TV interview, and they say the same five or six talking points. They say and everything, and and that's where my real frustration comes. Is it, we talked about the Marcakis signing a few weeks ago, and in a vacuum, it was a fine signing, but with everything else. Uh, it was disappointing and a frustration, and that's that's where I come. I mean, you you look at McGurk, you said who who's kind of become a public enemy for the Braves. Um, you know, it's McGurk who has said for five years now that this team with SunTrust Park is going to be able to spend and shop in any aisle they want. Is that really that really time. is the problem?
1: By the way, like yeah. that 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 repeated at least the last two or three years, they've repeatedly pointed to the next offseason season. And that's what's driving Braves fans. I think that's probably the one thing that I've seen more, and maybe, you, maybe you've seen some of the same thing I've seen, of Braves fans complaining to people like you and me, is, that, is the whole, like, they said this last year thing. And I, I, have no, I have no retort, because they did. I mean, Schultz even quotes it in the story. McGurk literally says, a year ago, that they're going to be able to spend as much money as anybody in the league next, next winter, and guess what? They've spent... Very little money. I mean, I know they they spent on Donaldson. And that's worth that's worth pointing out and reemphasizing that that they, they, they did spend twenty three million dollars for one season on Donaldson. That's a real that's a real um, investment. With that said, all that basically did was replace dead money that they were already spending. <laughs> they're not spending money in the way and and they know this. They know that what they're doing is spin. But that's the one thing. I'm sorry to cut you off, but that's that's the one thing that we keep hearing, and I think you're saying and I'm saying now. That's the most frustrating part of all this is that they keep pushing the pushing it down a year and year and year in advance. And it's, it's Lucy in the football at this point. Like Mm -hmm. I don't believe you anymore. It's kind of where everybody is now.
2: No, you're right. I mean, that, that was kind of the, uh, the whole, what I wrote earlier today. You know, I think the last sentence of it is, is the Braves, the Braves have brought this on themselves and it's because their front office and ownership has continually said, we can do whatever we want. We're going to have all this money. We're going to be able to spend with the big boys and five years later, they're still not spending with the big boys. And the old question, you know, if not now, then when? Well, when is the time to open up the checkbook? Is it, is it next winter? Whenever they, you know, if the Braves miss the playoffs, well, then you can hear, well, we, we didn't think we were in a position to spend big. Uh, they they've kind of spun themselves into this web of lies, frankly. Um, it, and I just want to see if if you're not going to spend money, don't lie to us and say you're going to spend money. Say, well, we just don't have the money. We have. lot of expenses from the new spring training facility or we have more expenses (laughs) than we thought uh, in the battery or or whatever you want right i mean but at least come out and say that say that you misevaluated your finances don't don't every off season say yeah well this wasn't the winter but next winter we're going to spend big because guess what 12 months later i can already hear the same conversation happening
1: yeah, I mean, that, that wouldn't go well either, um, but I do agree with you that it would be better than just pushing the can down the road, especially because, as they briefly touched on in the interview, I think the, the worst-kept secret of all of this is that they're just trying to pay down debt um, that they took on with SunTrust and the battery and all that fun stuff, and I get the emphasis to want to do that if you're Liberty Media. and just got to get rid of all the debt and pay it off, And but when you're reporting huge revenue increases and the payroll of the baseball team stays flat, fans are not going to enjoy that. That's just the long and short of it. If they know, and it's public record, if they know that you're making a lot more money than you made previously, and you're not spending on a baseball, if as a baseball fan, I don't care about their bottom line. I'm not an investor at Liberty media, other than the fact that I'm a, that I'm a Braves person. Like if I'm a fan, if I'm a Braves fan, like I don't care about Liberty Media's bottom line. Why would I care? Um, that's something that shareholders care about. The fans do not. So, yeah, I'm. I, I'm. I'm totally with you. I wish they would be more upfront, and I, I understand why they won't. And it goes back to your politician analogy, which is a good one, I think. And especially with McGurk, I think. I think Ethopolis is in a, is in a bad spot in that he's someone who's building a baseball team under under the constraints of what people above him are giving. And I yeah, think He has yeah, to try to sell yes. it. And he's yeah. sitting there, and he's also sitting there in a room with Terry McGurk, who is his boss. <laughs> yeah, and and he can't like his
2: his one boss.
1: Yes. Yeah, like he he can't. Anthopoulos is in a weird spot. He can't really say anything inflammatory about management. Not that he ever would, but it's even harder when he's in the room with Terrence McGurk. So he's going to have to spin and he's going to have to do what he does. And, you know, the line, I'm reading it right now, part of this is that even in this interview, Anthopoulos is saying that, and I quote, we have room to go north of that, well north of that, in um, the budgeted payroll from last year, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, average annual salary-wise, we can shop anywhere. This is all quotes from this week. Um, and if I get all, you know, I get hearing all that and as a fan getting excited again, but I just, it's the tangle web. Like I'm not going to be the scorched earth guy, but we said, we said this three months ago, we, we said on this podcast, I know you did and I did and Eric did at different times that if they didn't spend, we we were to come on here and kill them. And I mean, my killing them is worse is different than a fan killing them. But that's just more like rage filled. But the fact that. They didn't follow through on this, and, and for me, there's this argument that I've seen on on Twitter. I think today and yesterday, that you know why would you want the Braves to just spend, just to spend? And that was one of the lines in the in the uh, in the interview is that they don't want to spend just to spend. And my thing is, if you're a fan, you do want them to spend to just spend. Because guess what? That money is not going to be put back in payroll. I mean, we've never seen the Braves put this money like for instance if, if they if they fall 20 million short this year of where they could spend are they going are to they, are they spend that money next year are they going to just put that money back and suddenly be, be 40 million more i doubt it i mean yeah. why would i why would i believe that could be the case so if they're not going put to the, put, put the money back in payroll for 2020 spend it now spend, overpay like go out and get the best fourth outfielder imaginable like do, do something and overpay you know what i mean like if you're a fan why you you should not care you should not care about fiscal responsibility in a especially in a one year sense. If, if you get into the future and you think it's gonna impact payroll for the future, that's something different. Like you you wouldn't want them to overspend on someone three years in advance because that will that'll that will affect your payroll three years from now. But if it's one year, if you can get if you can get Dallas Keuchel for thirty million dollars for one year, if you're a Braves fan, you want them to do that. Like, it's not your money. The Josh Donaldson thing was a perfect example of that. They could have given Donaldson $40 million for this year, and I would have been i would have been okay with it. Because guess what? It's not going to hurt anybody's flexibility moving forward. It's one year of Liberty Media's money. And now we've seen, you know, three, four months later, that if they had done that, it wouldn't have changed anything. No. <laughs> they would have done everything exactly the same, except they would have no. spent that money.
2: No, you're right. I mean, and I think, I don't want to speak for every fan out there, but personally, I'm not expecting the Braves to become the Yankees and spend $200 million on their roster every year or become the Dodgers who have insane attendance numbers and as good of a TV deal as you can get and expect to spend $200 million a year like the Dodgers do. But I think most fans, not gonna I do mean, that. <laughs> we talked about getting to the middle. If if they spent, if the Braves open this year, if, if we could go back in time three months and say they're going to open, if they're going to get to opening day with a payroll of even $130, $135 million, with the expectation that they will have – uh, you know, five or ten million dollars to spend at the trade deadline because you need that financial flexibility in the middle of the year. I, I would be happy, I would be more than happy if they opened at 130 135 million, and, and that's just not happening. And it's it's not going to happen unless uh, there's really four guys out there. And, and if you don't believe they're going to sign Harper or Machado, which why would you at this point? Um, and it doesn't sound like they've ever been really connected to Keichel. And even then, if, if you sign Kimbrell, who, uh, who I would be in, in favor of signing, I think he changes the bullpen. We've talked three years on this podcast about how you don't want to overpay for relievers because when they're only working one inning per night, they can only have so much impact on a game. So it's it's frustrating to say the least. And um, the fact that we're still talking after all of these years about the Braves being cheap and, and not opening up the, the paycheck and, and the, the checkbook and I get when your team is not going to win as they were in 2015 and 2016. I get why. I, I get why you don't open up the checkbook because at that point you have to add five or six good players in one winter to become a reasonable team. But when you're coming off of 90 wins and you have this young core, which is going to be cheap for a couple of years, and, and you have all this money that was dead money last year, I, I just I don't know. I think it's it's the frustration of not having more activity and more money spent because – for all this talk of having fifty or sixty million bucks to spend this winter, uh, they're at either twenty-nine or thirty-one million, depending on how you want to view uh, Marquez's contract.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is um, arguably this would be the best time in the whole timeline to spend big money because you have Acuna on this bargain deal, you have Ozzy Alves on this bargain deal, you have Folti making not that much money. This is the time, given where they are in the organizational. from the organizational standpoint, you could argue pretty easily that spending this time, this winner would have been the best time to win a world series because in four years, when all these guys are maturing, you have to pay them all. You know what I mean? Like you can't all, you know, not all your best players are young right now. Obviously, Freddie Freeman is still a big ticket item um, and is making real money. But for the most part, most of your top players are making very little money right now. And, you know, this is sort of an NFL analogy, but, um, Teams, it's it's not it's not it's not a secret that it's a lot easier to build an NFL roster when your quarterback's not making that much money. Like once once teams pay your quarterback what they all make, it becomes harder t- to team build, and that'll be the same case for the Braves because as we, as we've noted, they're not going to spend like the Dodgers or the Red Sox, and that's kind of where baseball weird because. You could just paper over your paper over your mistakes if you were a big market franchise. That's the that's really the difference between the Dodgers and the Red Sox and everybody else and the Yankees is that they can miss. The the Red Sox famously missed huge on Pablo Sandoval yeah, and Hanley. They're Ramirez. still paying. It. They're still paying like, it. And Rusev Castillo, like you can miss if you're those teams. That's the difference is that they can miss. The Dodgers can miss. The Braves can't miss. And I get that, but if you're gonna spend, it's the time to spend now because you have all cheap talent. So that's part of the frustrating part. I wanted to read one more quote, then we're gonna to go to a quick break here for the first time in the history of the podcast with with an ad read. Um, this is a quote from McGurk that I'm reading right now that got me uh, sort of on this one. But um, and I'm quoting here, we've been a bottom 10 payroll team for a couple of years, we've messaged that we want that we want to get to the middle. And I think this year begins to get up, get us to that neighborhood. I expect that we push beyond that in the coming five years, end quote. That's all that's 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 everything in one uh, in one quote there. Scott, it's basically, guys, it's coming, we promise. Except we promised that last winter.
2: <laughs> and <laughs> the winter before and the winter before that.
1: Uh, oh, all right, we'll we'll come back in a second. I do want to take a moment to just say, please subscribe to this podcast. It'd be huge if you if you were already doing that, please go ahead and tell your friends to do all that fun stuff. We'll be back again in just a few seconds.
0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Okay, Scott. We're back and um, we're in the middle of rants, obviously, because that's what this podcast <laughs> is going to be. And it's, kind of, it's kind of out of, the, out of the ordinary for us. I, I will say we're, we probably have the reputation as the analytical Braves podcast for the most part to the point we, we get made fun of sometimes for not being fun and... All that fun stuff. And I think this is the more, this is probably one of the more like guttural, visceral reactions, reaction podcasts we've had. But I think we're identifying with fans. And I think if you're trying to be someone who sees all the perspectives, even in the media, it's so easy to see that this is all kind of a facade. And by the way, the Braves could make a move on Friday and embarrass us. You know what I mean? Like they could come out, it would not surprise me. If they went if they went out and spent, and even in the article they kind of alluded to this which is kind of funny. Um I think Schultz says, "You know all you have to do is spend spend money on one 115 million dollar player and all this goes away, right?" <laughs> And it's hundred like, percent yep, true. Basically.
2: Yeah, it's a hundred percent true. Think of—I think we were talking, maybe it was you or someone the other day. But imagine how different the off-season storyline is, is if tomorrow they come out and say we've signed Craig Kimbrell to a a three-year, forty-five million dollars. It all goes away. It does.
1: It, it does. It all goes away.
2: Instead of the talk of this is a cheap team, well then. You know what? No, they were thrifty with, with McCann and, and uh, Markekis to expand the resources. And they smartly played the market and let Kimbrel go from wanting five years and $100 million to three years and $45 million or whatever he's going to get. And you had Josh Donaldson on a high upside, no risk deal, versus what we've just talked about for the last 20 minutes of how bad and how disappointing this offseason's been.
1: No, I think it's absolutely right. And it's it's kind of funny through the prism of Kimbrough because of what you said earlier on the pod and what we said before is that a reliever, you know, Kimbrel's worth that much money if he is Kimbrel in all capital letters. But a reliever is like the most low-impact signing you can make that, that makes that kind of money, you know what I mean? Because he's only going to pitch 60 times in a season, max. But I totally agree. Like if they signed Kimbrell and there was a funny picture or two, I think there was one that ended up on your, on your timeline today of Kimbrel supposedly in the Orlando airport. Which kind of, of course, bridges the gap to all the brave stuff. And I think both you and I have heard little stuff about Kimberl in the last week or two. Nothing that I'm comfortable enough to like report as a sourced reporter, but there's little inklings that Kimberl could be in play. I think. Out of the four big free agents that are available, he's the one that would make us the least surprised. Would you agree with that? If they if he came to the Braves,
2: yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if you had to ask me today what team I think Craig ends up signing with, I I think I'd probably pick the Braves. I wouldn't even think about it for the other three guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure I'd go that far, but I think he's clearly the most likely to come to Atlanta. You know, even that, like through the prism of this interview that we're probably going to keep talking about for a second here, um, Anthopolis was asked directly. Um, what the odds are that the team signs or trades for a significant player between now and opening day. And he said he said it's a coin flip and the team is still engaged. Now, you know, trades are always the thing that we just don't have any feel for because other than Real Muto, who everyone in the world knew was available, trade guys are not always available. So that's the other avenue that they could go down here. Even, in, even with pitchers and catchers reporting on Friday, trades could still certainly happen between now and opening day. And we just don't know. Anthopolis has been very, very good about staying out of the rumor mill when it comes to trades, and that's the wild card is that they could make a trade in two weeks and no one would know it's coming, like the big deal with the Dodgers, etc. So that's something we just don't. We have to acknowledge that we just have no idea about. But what do you make of them saying it's a coin flip? Like I feel like as pitchers and catchers report, it becomes less likely, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe because of how weird for agency has been this year. Maybe a big move in March. Isn't as surprising as it would be in another season.
2: Yeah, it probably depends on what you define as big. Yeah, would obviously. I think I said it was like big. top yeah. two
1: starter, everyday player, or top reliever was the way that the question was posed to Antopolis. So, sure. like a significant piece.
2: Yeah, so I, is it impossible? No, uh, again, I probably wouldn't hold my breath for it. Um, but I think it's, but you know, could I see them adding a Bud Norris on a one-year deal or a Ryan Madsen on a one-year deal for three or four million dollars? Sure. I, I don't know how much that moves the needle, if anything. That's gonna,
1: by the way, that's that's going to happen. I, I think. I mean, if there's anything that I'm confident about, which is very little at this point, they're going to sign a reliever to a like they're going to sign a veteran reliever that you know. That's the one thing – if I had to bet on one thing happening between now and April 1, I would say it's going to be a reliever on a one-year deal for $6 million or something like that. There's that's just too many of those smart. guys available.
2: Yeah, that's probably the smart money. I mean it's just the supply and demand. And, and yep. there, are, there are some decent guys out there. I mentioned Norris and Madsen and, and Tony Sip, and there, there are a handful of solid veterans who are not going to command big dollars or, or multiple years at this point. Yeah, Adam, you put another arm in the bullpen. You keep your guys fresh. Especially if they aren't going to add Canberra, you have to make sure you have somebody for the ninth inning, whether it be Minter, Viz, O'Day, whoever you want to go with. Um, you can never have too many bullpen arms, capable bullpen arms, as we saw, as, as how quickly things can turn in August and September. Um, I'm with you. I think the smart money would be they add a veteran on a one-year deal, maybe like a one-year deal with a mutual option on there. Um And who knows if they make a splash. I think if they're going to make a splash, it's Kimbrel just because I think it's too late in the winter for a a big impact player outside of of a reliever. But uh, that's just me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's had to be a trade. I, I, you know, at some point, Bryce Harper, Manny Shadow could just sign with a baseball team. That'd be, I, I'm just, I'm just tired of Braves fans even jokingly about it. You know, like I just want them to be signed on a baseball team, somewhere. Um, but that's just, that's probably a personal thing for me. Yeah, preferably
2: not else. in the NL East would be. Yeah, ideal.
1: preferably not the Phillies. Um, <laughs> that'd be good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've probably done enough on the interview itself, other than the fact that. I think we've probably passed along that it's just it's frustrating in a lot of ways. And, you know, for me, this is me talking. I think it's a uh, big ups to Schultz and DOB. I know they got some criticism from some smarter fans that were saying, you know, they didn't push them enough. And my, my response to that as someone who's been on the other side, who's been a person doing the interview is I think there's often um, you ask the questions. And <laughs> how do I put this? Um, there are questions that I would like to ask people that I know I'm not going to get an answer to, so I don't ask them. For instance, oh, absolutely. There's not really upside sometimes in
2: hindsight, yeah. Yeah, there's not really, uh, listen back to your questions and go, Oh, I should ask that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it happens that happens to me regularly. And I also will say, you know, the things that I'd like to ask people that I don't ask because I won't get the answer that I know I want. And it's just like there's no point in pushing back on something that you're just never going to get an answer to. So I could sort of empathize with those guys um on that and honestly I think it's a good get and I agree with what you said at the very beginning I'm not sure why they did this Anthopolis and McGurk this does not make them look good in any way I think there's not even a generous reading of this that makes them look good um maybe they disagree maybe Braves PR would disagree with that and I'm sure they won't be happy if they listen to this podcast of us doing that and you know that's something you have to just cope with as someone in the media is that you're gonna say something that upsets the team but yeah I I just don't know why they did it. And, you know, I guess credit to them mildly for doing the interview. I mean, I'm not sure I want to give them too much credit because of the way they approached it and like all the obstruction they did, but they did do the interview, which was again, a baffling choice, but they did it. I don't know.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it's a, don't hide from the media instead of, you know, they don't want to be. Yeah. I I was stunned, but uh, I'll ask they um, did it and didn't turn out super
1: well. No, it it did not. I think we kind of all agree with that. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, the market is the market, as Anthopolis said a few times in the interview, and uh, we'll talk more about that. If it comes and the Braves do anything between now and then. Okay, we can move on from that real quickly. We mentioned it a couple times in the podcast, but pitchers and catchers are reporting on Friday. Um, for me, it's kind of funny. Everybody points to that day as like this huge monument- monumental day, and then nothing happens for two more weeks because that's spring training. Guys report. You talk to them for one day, and then they disappear into workout mode for two weeks, and then games start, and everybody gets excited again. So, I mean, are you excited for pitchers and catchers? Do you have Do you sure. have a baseball bug in your in your soul right now?
2: Um, yeah, probably a little bit more than usual, just because I usually am pretty immersed in like college basketball this time of year, and I'm not this time around. But yeah, I mean, within I, what is it? Uh, I'm looking here, the 23rd. So nine days is the first game, though. Yeah, usually, it's you. As you know, it's it's not even a get, you know like you'll get two starters out there that first week, and of the two guys you start, they get one at bat and and then go do some sprints in the in the outfield. So, um, sure, it's it's always exciting and to see the young kids. I think you have a couple of re- all the real, at least in my opinion, all the real storylines this spring kind of fall on the pitchers. Uh, how does the bullpen shake out? Which of the young kids emerge as the fifth starter? You know, is Mike Soroka healthy? Can Luis Gohara? get right after losing weight this off season after his kind of jumbled 2018 uh you know can max freed avoid the weird injuries he's had it, it, you know so on so on and so on so i am excited it's always fun to see the guys out there as you said though all we ever really see of them is just doing some like pitchers fielding practice and and you know bunting practice and whatever it may be but um I think what day do the rest of the players show up on Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that of next Yeah, week? it's
1: it's midweek. I I always get I always get the list confused cuz it's not the same for everybody. For instance, like pitchers and catchers reported to a lot of teams on Wednesday this week. Yeah, and the Braves were I think like the last team in the league. Yeah, they were. Mm-hmm. Um so it's kind of a weird schedule for the Braves and again, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but yeah, a couple couple days here, and then everybody will be there. I agree. This, as, far, as far as spring training battles are concerned, it's pitching it's pitching centric. We're gonna spend a lot of time in the next few weeks talking about stuff like that. Um, I will say on the hitting side, the two guys that I have my eye on um, are kind of weirdly different. One of which is Austin Riley, which is a very obvious one, and the other one is Adam Duvall, because Adam Duvall is non guaranteed. You know, it's it's an, it's a um, it's a tender contract situation with arbitration and those deals are all now guaranteed and I think you know people are just assuming he's going to be on the roster he's making real money and if he looks like he did at the end of last year he's not gonna make the team so those are the two guys I would say I agree with you pitching centric is the biggest um that's the biggest side of things for me in spring in terms of monitoring but Riley is very intriguing like where is he gonna play on yeah. defense Where how's he gonna hit and then Adam Duvall just does he look like a human being again because if Adam Duvall's washed up then that makes things interesting because you we we're talking about fourth outfielders earlier fifth outfielders earlier they're gonna need somebody there if he's not gonna be there so that's just one yeah. mild storyline to follow as well I think, oh, and I guess Camargo me, too
2: well, I was gonna say Dansby was my guy he had the wrist yeah. surgery you know he had the story a couple weeks ago that you know he, he was really hitting well and then he he messed up his wrist in that miserable Saturday game in Chicago when it was like 30 degrees and snowing. Um, I
1: heard, uh, I heard Grant McCauley on the effectively wild podcast this week doing the Braves preview and Grant brought that up and I had, I had a chill down my spine thinking, yeah,
2: thinking, that about, that base, thinking about, like, about that baseball game. Maybe the worst, like regular season Braves game of the last like five years, just considering everything. Um, yeah, they,
1: yeah, the, the, injury, the, the cold, the blown lead. And yeah, it was yeah, not
2: just miserable. Yes. Um, But, yeah, so I I think all eyes on Dansby. I think it's an important year for him. Uh, He needs to stay healthy. I I know injuries are part of the game, but you do have to be able to play, and that's part of it, is is being able to hold up over a full season. Um, I mean, there's storylines with every player, of course. You know, can Ozzy show a little more discipline? Can Donaldson get back to being himself? You know, how good does Acuna look and and so on? But um, you're right, I think a couple of those guys, it will be interesting to see just where they play Camargo if they – I'd imagine he'll probably play at second, short, third, and probably left and right field at one point or another. Maybe even some first base. So yeah, it's it basically, do they see.
1: do they play Camargo and Camargo, Camargo and O'Reilly at all in corner outfield spots? That's my big question mark in terms of. I think they have to.
2: Yeah, I think, I I think so too. I mean, over, if you're gonna
1: make him, a, if you're gonna make Camargo a super utility guy, he needs to be able to play corner outfield, and he has yeah. talent to do it. So you might as well try it.
2: Yeah, and you're not necessarily banking on him to to do it, you know, 50 times during the season, but no, at least but get him try. some familiarity. Let him, you know, make sure that if if you do have to put him in left field for a couple days or right field for a couple days because of you know somebody has a stinger and they can't play, well, you want to just make sure he's not going to freeze in his tracks whenever a ball gets hit his way.
1: Yep, I totally agree. Um, anything else you want to get out there, man? I know we're we're deep into the night here, at least for me, but. We've covered a lot of ground. It's forty five minutes of baseball content. Yeah. I know we. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny. Like during the season, we do a podcast most Sundays. I would think I would probably say ninety percent of the Sundays. probably at the same time Sunday nights, somewhere around there. And during the off season, I've been juggling a little bit in terms of schedules, and we've gone like nine days between podcasts. So instead of seven, we've gone nine, and people just freak out. Like, where's the podcast? And I'm like, guys, it's been 9 days, not 7, and <laughs> it's the off season and nothing is happening. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. But I understand it's sort of just the routine stuff. I promise everybody, the plan is is to go back to Sundays pretty soon. Um Sunday, it's, you know, because a lot of baseball off season is during basketball season, I'm like kind of engulfed in things, but I promise the plan are, are eventually pretty soon here is to go back to Sundays. Just want, to, want, want I want to get that out there. But anything else you want to share, Scott, please feel free to fire it off into the ether.
2: Yeah, not, I mean, not too much. Like you said, we, we always find a way to come on an hour or so, even if there's not a whole lot going on in terms of actual news. Yeah, uh, shout out to Jeff Schultz
1: and Dave O'Brien for providing about 30 minutes of content for us tonight.
2: Yeah, no, they're the nice. real heroes here. Yeah, um, but no, I mean, you know, coming up on six weeks out from opening day, um, it, it is a shame that usually our podcasts six weeks out from the season are a little more uh, optimistic or a little more energetic because you're looking forward to the season and everything instead of this – kind of trash can of an off season that, <laughs> that we just, that we just went through. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you're going to support the team no matter what. Uh, hopefully they're able to add another piece or two because it would, I think it'd be a real step backwards not to do so. But um, that, that of course is not up to you and I, sir.
1: Yeah, we are, we are going to go and do our n- sort of normal routine, leading up into the season, which is, which means, like, a podcast of a lineup preview, a podcast of a bullpen preview, a podcast of a rotation preview. That stuff's going to be coming. Uh, I plan to have, you know, the, the usual cast of characters, whether it be Scott and Eric and maybe uh, maybe grab Zach Dillard and a couple of people that are often guests of the podcast. But we're, we're going to do our traditional spring training stuff, I promise, and um, not just going to be talking about how they didn't do anything because eventually the roster is the roster, and you have to kind of break it down. And I know we talk about these guys a lot. But we we'll, we'll have some targeted preview stuff as we normally will on the podcast. So that's coming, I promise. And yeah, it's it's mid February, I guess. You know, the season starts in what six weeks.
2: Yeah, six weeks. Uh, actually, six weeks as of today. Well, yesterday, today, however, as of Thursday, because I think they do the the weird thing where they play a Thursday and then they're yeah, the off weird, on the weird stagger
1: open. It's the worst. It's the worst. I think. It's yeah,
2: awful. it's terrible. They didn't do it last year, and it was fantastic.
1: Yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll get there. I promise everybody. But yeah, please do me a favor. I know said at the beginning of the podcast, please subscribe. If you are a SoundCloud listener, uh, I'm totally cool with that. But you can now subscribe and hop on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or some other po- podcast platform. Or if you want to just wait until the podcast goes, goes up on TalkingShop.com, that's fine too. But SoundCloud is no longer an option as of tonight, so please listen to this podcast and know that moving forward, and hopefully, uh, people that people will have heard of the pre-recorded message that I put on SoundCloud to tell them to go elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, always, always a little bit scary when stuff when stuff changes on the podcast. But hopefully, this will uh, get out and get out into the world, and we'll be able to uh, provide content as we usually do. That's right. All right, thanks, Scott. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be back at some unexplained time, probably another week or so, probably ne- next week. Uh, barring a really weird move over the weekend, I have NBA All-Star Weekend stuff to do, so probably not an emergency podcast, unless it's like Kimball or something of a high level. If that happens, then we'll do what we can, as we always do to get back to you. But regardless, another podcast next week. Stay tuned, subscribe, and we'll see you guys later.
0: Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.